Hello everyone, I am Mariah Parsons, I'm your host. If you are new to Learn to Listen, welcome, and if you are a regular listener, thank you. Learn to Listen is a mental health and wellness podcast designed to encourage vulnerability in storytelling and to empower through empathy. If you like the show, please, please, please go subscribe on your favorite listening platform. I also have built out our social media. Um, So we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the whole, you know, every channel, omni-channel experience, wherever you like to find your content best, it's there for you. So hello everyone, right before we get started, I just wanted to do a special intro because this was a live recording of Learn to Listen. And so a little bit of background that I think is helpful. I am a big sister through Big Brothers Big Sisters and this episode was dedicated to mentorship with two amazing mentors in the Indianapolis community. And we all partnered up. I hope there's a lot of snippets that you'll take with you. I know I enjoyed the conversation, so I hope you will too. And thank you to those who came out and listened to the podcast live. So hello, Uh, today we are joined by Mike and Bud. I am very thrilled to be having this conversation with you both um, for this special edition of the Learn to Listen podcast. First, I'm going to ask you both to give a little bit of a background, say hello to our listeners, and then we'll get into mentorship and why it's important. So Mike, could you give us an intro? Sure, my name is Mike Leonard. I live here in the town of Franklin and uh, married with a couple of children, Uh, married for 35 years. I was employed as a tackle football coach for 36 years of my life and most recently at Franklin College, 17 years as the head coach. Uh, I'm now the unified flag football coach at Franklin High School as well as leading a nonprofit called ePro Plus, which uh, I I work with Bud on uh, getting that rolling, Uh, as well as my hobby is uh, playing and teaching guitar. Oh, wonderful. I, yes. I play guitar. Well, good. Ooh, there we go. Okay, wonderful. Bud, could you introduce um, yourself? Yes, my name is Bud Fountain. I live in Greenwood, Indiana. And uh, Mike Leonard and I became good friends as uh, we coached football together here at Franklin College. Uh, me being a part of that since 2007. I also serve now as the team chaplain for the Franklin College football team, but I also had a corporate life. I worked for three Fortune 500 companies in my career, uh, Procter & Gamble, Xerox, and IBM. And uh, in addition to that, I'm a published author. I've written three books. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Wonderful, okay, great. I'm going to, so one of the things that I love to do before we really get into mentorship is learn um, just a little bit about each of you. So what's something that you don't think a lot of people who know you well might um, know about you? You know, what's something that, um, what's like a funny story or, you know, something you'd like to share with the audience? Oh my, Uh, some that somebody doesn't know about me. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, I played football in high school at Speedway High School and I don't know if many people know that I hold the longest touchdown pass thrown in Indiana high school history, which is, I believe it was 108 yards. 
which you're asking, how could you do that? Well, I threw it <laughs> to a guy that I knew, but it went over his head to somebody that I didn't know on the other team who took it 108 yards for a <laughs> touchdown the, the other way. And so, uh, rather embarrassing. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a love of football, right? <laughs> that's right. You yeah. learn. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That, that's the story I was going to tell about, Mike, because I do remember that. <laughs> that's a great story. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, everybody knows if you're from Buffalo, you know a lot about snow and ice. But I grew up with an ice rink in my backyard every year from the time I was eight years old, uh, my gosh, up through my high school years. And that has led to a life on the ice as both a hockey player, but now as the oldest hockey official in the Indianapolis Hockey Officials Association. So that's kind of my uh, little tidbit. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, very impressive as well. Um, I grew up ice skating for about two years and promptly did not <laughs> get back on the ice after that, <laughs> after some figure skating. So wonderful. Okay, so. For our listeners who aren't super familiar with Big Brothers Big Sisters or ER Pro Plus, they're both mentorship programs. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. You both are mentors through, you know, various different um, like sports teams and now your nonprofit. So can you tell me a little bit about why you think mentorship is important from a mentor's uh, point of view? Well, I think it's a two-way street. Um, obviously, youngsters nowadays in not only nowadays, but probably forever, have needed some guidance. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them get great guidance at home. And But there's a lot of them that don't, that need some help. And uh, our organization deals with young, young boys that uh, are boys between 10 and 18 that do not have an active father figure in their life. And uh, it's a two-way street in that the young boys need some guidance, but at the same time, the rewards for the mentors uh, unbelievably satisfying. And I just realized that yesterday I was in uh, one of the middle schools here locally and first time meeting a young man, uh, seventh grader. And as I, as I left the 20 minute meeting, just getting to know him, I was just so energized about his potential and how good I felt driving away thinking, I, I got a chance to help this young young man uh, turn from a boy into a man with time. And uh, so being coaches, that's, that's kind of what we've done all our lives. Uh, the thing that I would add is as Mike and I now are older and our children have left the household and you know, we're those empty nesters you kind of start to look at life and say, what am I really supposed to be doing? How do I contribute? How do I give back for all the people that gave to us? Mm. And you know what, this was just when we first landed on, hey, we're gonna do this thing. We just started to feel the energy and get so excited about it. So I think it's really special to have the chance to touch a young boy's life that maybe be struggling and, and not have somebody who can be a positive role model in his life. Yeah, I think that's really, I love that you touched upon the point of, you know, now you have all this experience with raising your own kids and you're able to make an impact in 
the broader community that you each are a part of. And I know for me, like reflecting on my own experience now, being a mentor through the Big Brothers, Big Sisters um, organization is now I get to mentor kids who are of similar ages, specifically my little, who's 13. So like she falls in that realm, right, where you both are mentoring 10 to 18 year olds. And me having been, I'm, I'm 10 years older than her. So it's an interesting dynamic where I get to see and very much relate to what she's going through, but it's from like a different lens, right? Because I'm, of course, I have 10 years more um, life experience than what she has right now, but I can easily remember what it's like to be 13 and like the biggest issue in your life currently is sometimes like going to the middle school dance or like who are you going to dance with? And so how do you find that each of your lives experiences have like compounded to make you even better mentors like throughout the years? Oh, I'll jump on that one. Please do. Because <laughs> I've raised two boys. I mean, my, my boys are 46 and 43. They have their own careers, their own families, the whole thing. I mean, they've been there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't come with instruction manuals. <laughs> and I think, well, I tried to do a good job with them. There were certain things that I probably could have done better, and I look back on that. Now, when I work with the boys that I have a chance to work with, I find myself not as much in the tell mode all the time as I am asking them questions. Mm -hmm. Because so many times we have the answers within us, but it's somebody that needs to ask the question to force us to think and then go, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And I think the young boys we deal with are more receptive to that. They they don't want to be criticized for what they're doing. They, they want to be affirmed. They want to know that they matter. They want to know that somebody cares about them. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what Mike and I get the chance to do when we sometimes say, hey, how do you think you could, you could do that better next time? What do you think we could do different working together? And that way we just get more positive feedback and the kids seem to embrace it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great learning to be had. I think whatever application you're finding yourself having to use that knowledge, it always improves the relationship. Yeah, Mike, what would you say to that? Oh, you know, the thoughts that I have listening to both of you talk about, you know, I I think back to getting into the coaching profession and coaching football specifically, I got into the game because I loved the strategy of the game. But as the older I got, and especially when I became a head football coach, uh, I learned that I can teach some valuable lessons to these guys and that was even more satisfying for me of teaching life lessons than teaching the strategy of the game. Mm-hmm. However, the older I got even then, I started to realize, hey, I'm not the only one that's doing the teaching here. I am learning some awesome lessons from some of these players that are going through adversity. Long story short, but we had a player lose his eyesight in a game mm. for the rest of his life, one of his eyes. Wow. He, he lost an eye, right eye, and to watch how he reacted for the next two years that he was here in college was amazing. And he's one of my favorite players of all time now. But uh, so it, it's a two-way street. And, and like Bud, I mean, I, I'm 60 now, and I'm dealing with a 14-year-old yesterday in the middle school, okay? Mm-hmm. Do the math there. I'm 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 46 <laughs> years older than this guy. Yet we we hit it off immediately, and yes, we hope to provide some guidance for them. 
but also we're going to be able to learn a lot from them but technology wise you know all the things <laughs> oh, yeah. when, when we need help with our computers or our phones and we don't know how all that works they're on it so mm -hmm. it's it's a win-win yeah. and, and mike and i interestingly we had a meeting this morning and we started talking about it and we were thinking about how we would create an agenda for the repetitive meetings we're going to have and we both hit on it you know these kids we need to support them body mind and spirit right and we said well, that's where the life lessons need to be because if we can give the kids those kind of life lessons in those three areas chances are it's going to help them at some point later in life and you know I we see some kids that have not had the best diets they probably haven't taken care of their body quite as well as they they could have or should have that's something as coaches we should be able to help them and motivate them and and help them get on a program to do better there. But at the same time, we want to help them grow their mind, want to help them grow spiritually as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful relationship between coach and athlete or between mentor and mentee because you touch so many different areas of their life, right? Like you said, you got into football, to, into coaching because of the strategy, and then it evolved into being able to be that mentor and have that influence or have those teaching moments that go both ways, like you said, between an athlete and a coach. And so, and, and Bud, you touching upon the ability to step back and just listen. I think that's what a lot of mentorship is, a, is about. And I know I, with the people who I am being mentored by, they have very similar philosophies. And so when I've asked them about, you know, what's important about mentorship to you? Like, why do you take it on? And why do you really invest time into other people? And their answer, similar to you, Bud, was that, you know, someone did it for me, so I want to give back. And so I would love to get both of your perspectives on, you know, who have been mentors for both of you growing up. And then if you could kind of like, if you could kind of tell us about the influence that those mentors might have had in that ability to learn both ways. Um, that would be great. Well, I, I think where we're fortunate enough where we can both start, uh, I'm not going to speak for Bud, but speaking for myself, i got to start with my father. Uh, he, he was a great man, uh, was not an athlete growing up. He was a, he was a farmer. And, uh, and here I am. I, I love sports from the time I could walk. And But he... The things that I learned from George Leonard, my dad, was uh, I can only remember one thing that he taught me audibly, and it was how to shake a hand. It was the day he dropped me off at college. He said, son, when you shake somebody's hand, you look them right in the eye and give them a good firm handshake. Don't get the <laughs> wet noodle and make sure you make good eye contact. And as I think back, that's the only thing I can ever remember him saying to me audibly. However. I watched him do thousands of things visually, and I think that's the thing that we learn by seeing, we learn by watching the example that we see there. Yes, to tell somebody something is important too, but showing them how to do things mm -hmm. is uh, even more powerful. Yeah. You know, Mike has told me that story before about his dad teaching him how to shake hands, and I thought that's, that's so neat, and it reminds me a little bit of the, the expression, preach the gospel every day, and if necessary, use words. 
In other words, our actions speak louder than our words. Those are the things people see. And I remember my dad telling me once I was getting ready to go somewhere and the way I was dressed was not what he felt was appropriate for the meeting. But he said to me, you may see some people there and it's gonna be the first time they see you. And you know what? You only have one time to make that first impression. So just think about that. And you know, it's those little moments that I think we all have captured at some point in our life that somebody gave us that piece of advice or that, that, that life lesson that made a difference. And that's something that I've always thought about when I get ready to go somewhere. So um, sometimes <clears throat> someone may think I'm overdressed when I walk in, but I, I'm gonna walk in and I wanna feel good knowing that, hey, this is how I'm gonna represent myself. And that's something we share with the kids we work with. I can't think of uh, anybody that comes to my mind that, you know, wow, they were a great mentor for me. Other than Bud, he, he, <laughs> he seriously has been a mentor for me. Uh, a, a couple of people later in life, I would say, have been great mentors. But when I was young, I think the thing that, that mentored me were the people that made me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was around them by whatever they might have said to me, encouraging words, uh, could have been a neighbor, uh, neighbor lady um, across the street that was just, you know, it was a fun place to play over at their house with their kids, but she was just always so kind and, and uh, yeah, supportive. Um, those are the things that I think I want to be for any of these, not only the boys, but for anybody I meet in life. I want to be an encourager and uh, a positive influence. Yeah, I think that brings up a great point of kind of what you lead with first when you're a mentor. So like, would you say that kindness, that support, that presentation is kind of like the first jumping point that you try and have like to make that connection with someone you're mentoring? body language is is yeah. super important. I think back to yesterday's meeting with this young man. I'd heard about him. I'd never, I, I didn't know what he looked like. And here I am walking into the library. He's sitting down there. And I think how, how I approach him is very important. Non-threatening, uh, smile on my face, uh, eye contact, making a comment to him that I pretty sure is going to make him feel excited or positive. Um, those are all the things that I'm trying to be aware of. Yeah. 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 And, and you just don't know sometimes when you meet with one of those young boys for the first time, you don't know what, what their home life is like, what they go home to. When was the last time somebody said something nice to him like, hey, I really like that shirt you got on. That looks, that looks good on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything you can say, as Mike said, to be encouraging and positive is going to at least, I think, help to lower that wall or the barrier that might be there and just help them to be a little more comfortable with you. Because it's all about earning their trust, mm -hmm. and especially with the kids this age and um, People can't see it, of course, but I've got all this gray here. My <laughs> grandkids say it's white. So, you know, I've got to really be sensitive to that because mm -hmm. I'm just a, a really old man to a lot of these kids. 
Mike doesn't have that issue yet. <laughs> He's got that on me. But that's that's something to think about because it's all about earning their trust and letting them know that, hey, we want to help you. We care about you. Yeah. And I had a, a nice discussion with this young man. We talked about uh, who who is your biggest opponent? You know, who who do you who's the biggest struggle? And and I told him right off the bat, you know who my biggest opponent is? It's me. Okay? Mm -hmm. It it's it's me sometimes. And I have to conquer myself every day when I wake up saying, What do I need to do uh, to beat and take care of myself? And and he got that. He understood that. He understood that. He, he said, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, and so I'm like, well, we're here to help each other conquer ourselves. And it's all attitude. It's how we think. So I thought that was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, a lovely moment. I think a lot of people in general, I'm sure, can relate to that of the biggest opponent can Absolutely. be yourself. Yeah. So, Mike, you've been talking to this specific example, this specific conversation that you could kind of have that um lower that that barrier and be able to really have that influence with um, this young man that you were speaking with. So in addition to that, and but I would love to hear kind of an example, were there any moments where, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter necessarily if it was, you know, a day into the relationship or months into the relationship that you could really see the impact that you were having on someone that you were mentoring? I'm going to tell, but, but you have to answer this about about basketball, okay? The camp that we went to this well, summer. Yeah, we did We did have an interesting experience at the camp. A big part of this camp that we were at were recreational activities. One of them was basketball. Mm. We had a young boy with us, how old? 10. 10. He had never been on a basketball court in his life. Had no idea how to dribble a ball with either hand and it became very obvious that he was totally out of sorts on the court. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed him and I said, we're going to make you a defensive specialist. <laughs> so I taught him how to bend his knees and lower his hips. And I said, pretend like you're in the mirror and you just follow me. And I got him on the sidelines a little bit and worked with him. And he realized he could do that. And I said, now when you get out there, you stay with one man but I want you to mirror him everything. He got out there and he thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, he wasn't very good, okay? <laughs> but it was his first time and the other boys saw him making the effort and they got excited about it. I mean, it just created energy for the whole experience, even the kids on the other team. So that was an example of one, yeah, where it was a lot of fun. And so the whole leader of the camp, the, uh, the man that started this mentoring organization 20 years ago uh, he was so impressed by our young boy from Indiana's uh, ability to do this that he had him the young boy speak to the entire camp at the formal dinner that we had on the last evening of the camp and the young boy gave total credit to Bud in front of everybody Wow! and it was just an awesome deal where you did something extremely valuable for that young man and the young man made him feel like a million dollars oh, yeah. knowing that you know he had helped him yeah yeah 
that reciprocity is is so wonderful. No, and, and it's interesting too because at this particular camp, before certain events and so forth, they would ask, "Does somebody want to pray for for this or something?" Boy, he he was one of the first guys to shoot his hand in the air, a volunteer, and the first time he did that, I was kind of like, "Oh gosh," and he did remarkably well. He was totally comfortable in that environment, and you know. That's when you start to see the results of some of your efforts, and it's just, it's a good feeling for us, but most importantly, you see that young man is gonna take something from that experience that hopefully is gonna carry him forward wherever he goes. The other thing that I would say where we see excitement is not only from us or the young boy in our case, but the, the mother or the grandmother or the guardian who sees some positive changes uh, or some things that the young man has learned uh, by being with us. And, uh, and, and they need some help too. They need somebody because they, they, they try to do things as best they can at home, but there's just some things that, because we deal with, with young, young boys that do not have an active father in their life. And so the, the ladies, the mothers, the grandmothers, really the aunts, we have all different phases of that um, really appreciate what we're doing yeah yeah I'm sure I'm it's interesting that you bring up the fact that the confidence from basketball bleeds over into other areas right like if someone feels more comfortable in a situation then they're more likely to experiment and go out of their comfort zone and it's so impressive that the parents right like or the mothers can see um how that confidence just from something like a camp can bleed over. And the camp was, we took them from Johnson County here over to central Ohio mm -hmm. and, you know, four hours away. And most of these boys had never been out of the state. They'd never been away from home for that long. So you're talking about getting out of their comfort zone. It, it, and it was uncomfortable for the mothers as well, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's something about being away and coming back home is really special. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the big thing that you touched on, Mariah, is the comfort zone thing. You've got to get out of your comfort zone if you're going to grow at all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. I think the independence, too, of like going out of the state, like you mentioned, being able to get out of the house and explore and get out of your comfort zone, it's wonderful. And I've, I've, I've seen that with my own um, little through Big Brothers Big Sisters and just how our relationship has developed and being able to the first interaction, you know, she was a little bit on the shyer side. And then the second interaction, as soon as she knew, like had the two hours with me where she was like, we got a meal. It was great. And the next hangout, she was like, she could not stop talking. She was like, I want to tell you all about school and all about like all these different areas of her life. And so for me to be able to see that and see the confidence in her and how she is presenting herself, because she, she, um, you know, she told the organization and her mother and her and herself and me that she was she would um, she would disclose herself as being like shyer or more introverted but from what I was seeing I was like yeah. she is totally extroverted right now yeah. and it was just the narrative that she was telling herself of like oh when I you know I don't I don't love interacting with big groups of people but when I would see her at you know a game night at Big Brothers Big Sisters she would love to go and chat with other people, but it was just like the narrative that they were telling themselves. So sometimes you have to be that person and be like on the basketball court or, you know, in, in another state, be like, you know what, you can do this. Like a little, a little push, a little nudge goes a long way. And, and 
I just read something this this week that made a lot of sense to me, talking about getting out of the comfort zone or trying something new that it, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and well, guess what? When when all of us were youngsters and we, it was hard to crawl. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you drop something, whether it was a pacifier or whatnot. Because mm-hmm. I have a grandson now, and I'm seeing videos yeah. of, of him throwing his passing and crawling after it. And 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 then we learned to walk, which was a struggle. We fall down, we walk, mm-hmm. but. Uh, same thing with that that first day at kindergarten or the first day at junior high when you got your own locker all the the nervousness but the second day at school it's not so bad same thing first day on the job you know yeah. you, you just don't know what to expect and all these lessons that we're teaching them will relate to that I think when they get to that first day of high school or that first day of a job that the experiences that they've had with us will truly help them conquer themselves in that moment Mm -hmm. to be more positive and confident. Well, and I think one of the lessons that certainly I think we need to share as mentors with young people is this learning thing never ends. Mm -hmm. It's a lifelong process. So, you know, it's great. There's going to be the excitement. You're a senior in high school and you walk across the stage, shake hands, you got that piece of paper in your hand. You aren't done because there's a lot more learning that needs to take place. And, and they need to understand that. They need to be prepared for it. Yeah. And I think part of this mentorship, too, and I'm sure you found this, Mariah, is helping them find the passions that they have inside of mm-hmm. them and giving them all kind of opportunities to to see what what goes on in the world and what other people do and hey I like what that guy does or hey I like what that gal does I'd li- I might like to try that mm-hmm. and uh, helping them find their passion I think is a big key yeah so in the in the light of finding your passion for helping someone you're mentoring find that passion how would you kind of narrate through how you both found your passion in being a mentor? Because I think one of the hesitancies has been, or at least through, you know, working with Charles at Big Brothers Big Sisters and their organization has been, you know, bigs are sometimes, or mentors are sometimes hesitant because they don't think they have what it takes. So how did you both kind of find that passion? How do, how would you kind of advise someone who is maybe on the edge of, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough to be a mentor to someone else? think you have to have a true love for other people mm-hmm. uh, a, a love to give back knowing that hey I have been on that side I've been 12 and 12 was a little awkward for me but <laughs> man now that I'm 38 even though I'm, I'm 60 but if, if I was 38 I might say you know what I want to help that 12 year old because I now know what would have helped me if I was 12. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they can do it. it. All they have to have is a little bit of time, and everybody's got some time. Everybody's got that 168 hours in a week, and there's some fluff time in there where people are wasting time. There is time to do this, uh, uh, and, and, but it takes a want to, you know? But you can do it. If you're listening to this and you're on the edge, you could, you. You should give it a try. Um, I view life, I'm getting random here, I view life a little bit like King's Island. Mm. That, you know, I, I don't want to be doing the same ride the whole time that I'm there, even though it's a great ride. I want to try some different things. And this might be something that 
you know, if you're listening to this and thinking, man, this, this kind of sounds interesting, it could be rewarding, I would say give it a try because there's just a lot of youth out there that need it. And, you know, from all the social issues in the world, this might be the biggest one. You know, if, if we can help all these youngsters that uh, are wanting some help, and there's a lot on a waiting list, as we know. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, a lot of them that want it. They, they, they're asking uh, their mothers, hey, we heard about that organization. Are, are, can I meet them? And well, not yet. You know, we're still waiting on some people. That's what we're hearing. And so that's where we're stepping sure. in. We're mm -hmm. stepping in to help. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is Big Brothers, Big Sisters especially, has been around how many years? I, I don't even know. But I mean, you, the organization, has had that experience of working with young people for years and years. So you've developed programs. When somebody new comes in to Big Brothers, Big Sisters as a mentor, you don't just say, well, here's three phone numbers, call these kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got an indoctrination program and a curriculum that helps them understand how they can be uh, the best mentor to that child. And I think that's that's key, especially with big brothers, big sisters. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you bring up kind of the fostering of someone of like, oh, if you get involved with this program, not only are you developing a, you know, the person you're mentoring, but also yourself. And I think that's a big part of it. So what would you say, you know, what would if someone's looking to make that first step and they're kind of unsure of what it should be or how to really commit themselves to being a mentor and having the confidence to be one, what would you say? Um, you know, what kind of piece of advice when it's a little bit tougher from your perspective, what is one thing that you go back to? You know, I think you already asked the question a little bit is, if you ask the person who in your life mm -hmm. was a mentor to you, who who do you remember? Was it a school teacher? Was it maybe a, a pastor at your church? Was it your mom or your dad or a grandparent? But who was the person and, and what did you learn from them? And when they start to think about that and say, geez, you know what? You could be doing that same sort of thing. You could pass on the same message mm -hmm. to the next generation. And I think we all have an obligation to do that. You know. It, when we start to ask ourselves, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing in my life? It's hopefully we make an impact so that when we leave this world, it's in better shape than when we came into it. And we have the chance to do that through the mentoring activities we do. So, Yeah, I love that answer. Yeah. Mike, what would you say? I, I would say the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Copy and paste. <laughs> leave it at that. Yes. You know, I... I I did learn uh, the definition of, or where the word coach came from. We're both coaches, and I think you're a coach as well, Mariah, when coaching this little that you have. Uh, I didn't know until probably eight years ago, I was at a football coach's clinic, and one of the coaches up there was talking about where the word coach comes from. Mm. There was a town in Hungary, the country of Hungary, that was spelled K-O-C-S, and it was pronounced coach. And that town back in the 1400s was very famous for making wagons that would take people or things from where they are to where they want to go. 
and therefore we as coaches or mentors are the same thing we are the vehicle that can take this youngster from where they are to maybe where they don't know where they want to go yet but we can show them the way and that's what leaders do leaders know the way they show the way and they go the way with them and so that's 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 uh that's how I think about leadership. We know the way, we can show the way, and we're gonna go the way with them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a beautiful metaphor to wrap up this whole conversation with of mentorship and coaching. So thank you both for being here. I know I've loved this conversation. It's part of the reason, obviously, that I started this podcast and I continue to have these conversations. So thank you both for being here and giving such great advice. You're great at what you do, Mariah. <laughs> yeah, Keep it up. Thank you very, very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're done. That's it. Great job, everyone. Thank you all for listening and dedicating some of your time to listening to these conversations and being an external part of that conversation. I hope you take away with each episode, maybe some new perspectives and some ways to reflect about how what we talk about pertains to your life and your own interests and goals.